Welcome to Nyatcast's special Iranian-American author series. Over the next few weeks, we'll be sitting down with authors featured in My Shadow is My Skin, Voices from the Iranian Diaspora, an anthology available at bookstores now featuring perspectives from the Iranian-American community. We hosted the editors, Layla Emery and Catherine Whitney, for episode four of Nyatcast, so make sure to check out that interview with them as well. For today's episode, Asil sat down with Darius Atifat Peckham, a young and up-and-coming poet who was a freshman at Harvard University. Darius's contribution to My Shadow is My Skin is called Learning Farsi, and it is a reflection on the passing of his mother when he was just three, his struggle with his identity, and the heritage he inherited on his mother's side from Iran. Take a listen. I'm going to be honest with you, uh, Darius, you made me cry like four or oh. five times. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> so few pages, but um, no. it was really, you know, what I thought was amazing about it is that we have, like, when I was reading it, I could see so many threads of my own thought and sort of my own experiences in mm. what you were telling, even though you were telling this deeply personal story. And, you know, mm. the personal part, the details are so different, but it was so interesting that I could understand you know, so much of what you were feeling, the attempts to sort of embrace different parts of the culture, um, the, you know, the idea of being an American and having this dual identity and being stuck between the politics. And, but more than anything, what I took from it was this sort of longing um, and whether it was a longing for identity, whether it was a longing and you talk about it, you know, this like desire to be able to go to Iran. um, Mm -hmm. And of course it's all framed within this incredibly tragic thing that happens when you're a child, the the passing of your mother and your brother. Uh, so mm-hmm. it seemed to me like there was a lot of connection between that longing. And I just wanted to tell you that it's, you know, for such a young writer, uh, it's an incredible, it's an incredible essay. Uh, it I'm really, really years. And, you know, I, I would just want to hear more about your sort of, before we even get into the essay, more sort of your diaspora story. Cause whereas this, I think painted a lot of different, pieces it was almost like pieces of stories that you were telling you know what's the context that sort of informs the entire essay like what is your diaspora story how do you end up in this day right yeah that's a really interesting question um and a complicated one um because of my family history my um so as you said my mom died when i was um three years old so really before i ever had a chance to um remember her or to form a relationship um that was anything uh, tan- that I could tangibly remember um, as I as I move forward with my um, childhood. And so for a long time, um, you know, I knew that my grandparents were from Iran. I knew that my mom was from Iran, was, well, part of the diaspora, uh, born in New York, but um, had close ties to her Iranian family um, and went back and forth there. Um, but I didn't really, really um, feel that urgency um, towards Iran um, throughout my childhood. And I think that's that's where I, um, you know, I kind of, throughout my teenage years, I really, really got into it, um, into kind of talking about and writing about and, um, you know, that, that longing you're talking about. Is that that's where it kind of formed in me is this... Um, is this almost like this absence um, of the of my diaspora experience? I I felt like as as a as a child I wasn't um, you know I, I felt a lot of the times <laughs> uh, like I was kind of disappointing uh, to my grandparents because 
Um, I was so little that I didn't understand why they wanted me to be, um, you know, part of this larger community, which I couldn't grasp. Um, and I felt very, very far from Iran for most of my childhood. Um, and part of that was because of my mother's passing. And part of it was just because of um, tensions between Iran and America and my own, you know, my own insecurities about being Iranian. I didn't want to be different from other kids. I didn't want to, um, you know, worry about who was going to make the terrorist joke at the lunch table kind of thing. Um, so, you know, um, without even knowing that I was doing it, I kind of um, pushed my heritage to the side for a while as a little kid. Um, you know, when I, when I entered my, my more, my older years, um, I had a, uh, with, and I'm sure this happens to a lot of kids, a profound, um, kind of switch towards my, my heritage. I, I longed for it and yearned for it in a way that I couldn't place and I couldn't understand yet. Um, so, you know, the, the easiest thing for me to do was to resort to something that my mother um, did, which was uh, poetry. And um, she was an Iranian poet in every sense of the term. Um, she wrote it without having spent a whole lot of time there uh, about her family there and kind of tried to bridge the divide between um, between her United States experience and her experience um, being part of that diaspora. And that was something I was extremely interested in writing this essay is that, you know, even though I'm not the most conventional uh, person as far as the diaspora is concerned, like as far as like my relationship to Iran, um, I felt like my experience was real. And uh, I still felt like I had this longing for Iran that I wanted to kind of express. Absolutely. I mean, I think that that's actually the interesting point is, and we talked about this uh, when we spoke with Layla and Catherine, the editors, this idea that, you know, who, who belongs in the diaspora. Right. And of course, you know, we all belong in it and we are all yeah. a part of it in a different way. Um, but your, your voice, I think is so important, such an important addition because, because of your youth, right? You're yeah. uh, sort of the generation that is just emerging and just finding their voice and being able to express their identity. And I think that's why I, I was so happy to, to have you join us and to be on because mm -hmm. we tend to focus on the older generation. We, we tend to focus a lot on the people who experienced the revolution and immigrated. Mm -hmm. And then if anything, you know, we've, we have some focus again on like the, those born sort of after the revolution, but this new generation where you see, um, so I think so much more diversity and that's why this diaspora is growing to the extent that it is, is really underrepresented. And, and so mm -hmm. I'm really happy that you not only contributed to, to this anthology, but have an opportunity to sort of tell your story, um, here as well. Well, I think, I think, yeah. I, and I think part of that, that, uh, you know, that feeling of absence, that, that kind of almost, almost rejection of my heritage, which was completely, um, uh, subconscious, uh, you know, as a child, um, part of it was that, you know, I was trying to, for a lot of my childhood escape, um, the realities of my situation and of my grief. I didn't understand how to process the kind of grief, both the grief of losing a mother and of losing my heritage. Um, and I think that, um, you know, partly, you know, 
my wanting to keep my my heritage at arm's length per se is, was because i i really felt as if these you know these texts these this language wasn't an escape for me but it was this like overbearing reality um and that was something that that was really joyful for me to discover as i became older um and i you know throughout my high school years i you know reading the shahnameh and the um you know, Farouk Forukzad and um, Conference of the Birds by Attar and all those just incredible poetic, um, you know, conventions that like color life in Iran, like these, like this culture um, that's so prevalent there gave me this kind of escape into my reality in a way, which is super, it's super weird to think about. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, it is, it was an odd, it was definitely difficult kind of traversing that um that whole you know divide for me um i didn't being so young i just i just didn't understand it and now now and now it's like you know give it back to me please you know i really want i want to get there and it's so hard um it's so hard to to be um part of part of this uh like I, as I, well, as far geographically, I mean, um, as far as wanting to get over there, um, you know, that longing is, is definitely prevalent in my life right now. Um, especially with, you know, the pandemic and my, my family over there not doing so well. Um, I just really, I really want, you know, want to see them all before uh, anything bad can happen, you know? But. Yeah, this, um, obviously the, and you talk about it in your essay at one point in your essay, you say, uh, there's, there's a moment where you're sort of so frustrated with the politics of your home country, which is obviously the United States, um, yeah. that you almost want to embrace, you want to embrace the Iranian side more. Right. Yep. Um, so I wondered, you know, I mean, uh, obviously we can all speak to that idea that yeah. being in this sort of situation where there's con not only like constant enmity between the two states but i think you know i think we all went through this very hopeful period just a few years ago where maybe yeah. we, that was finally cooling down and and Absolutely. iranians could be humanized and you know we could embrace both sides of this identity not as uh you know in opposition to each other but as part of each other and then mm. we were sort of uh sh shocked is the wrong word uh but but taken aback by this particular administration, which really yeah. took that like level in my, for me, from my experience, at least. Um, and I'm older than you, but like, you know, I mean, I don't, I was born after the revolution. So I don't remember, you know, the, the embassy seizure and what it was like. I don't, I wasn't there for any of that, but in my right. experience, I haven't really felt this sort of, uh, challenge in the atmosphere as an American being of Iranian like heritage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. And it's, um, you know, the most I can speak to that is kind of the difficulties my grandparents have going back and forth, you know, um, and it, it is, you know, it's hard to see even second kind of a lot of my experiences is, um, is kind of secondhand. It's like, I, I get, I get to a lot of my essay even is about this, you know, yearning for Iran, not only my own, but, um, you know, my own yearning to have my grandparents just able to live, you know, both their lives in the United States and in Iran um, without anybody um, making it 
more difficult than it has to be. Um, and uh, I think that definitely, like, definitely with the change in administration, um, that was um, heartbreaking uh, because it was looking like maybe I could do some kind of abroad program during college in, in Iran and now not so much, you know, and that's difficult. But I do think, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about lately and another reason why I'm starting to really like embrace my heritage um, is because of that, um, that very like prominent kind of divide that there is at the moment is that I don't think that I would be as inclined to explore my heritage the way I have um, if there weren't such. Um, it's like, you know, this, this like, I, you know, this theory of like when, when things are even more far apart, it's like I, I just want to, you know, to hold on to it as much as possible. Um, so in, in some ways it is a good thing is that I feel like I, I feel like I've discovered Farsi. I've discovered all this poetry because I am more inclined, you know, based on this, um, separation to, to really, uh, to really explore it. Um, you know, at the same time, obviously it's devastating to watch my grandparents, um, have trouble going back and forth. And, you know, especially now that everything is closed down, it's like they can't get at their family. Um, and especially coming from a family, which is so, uh, in, you know, I, I mean, I, it's sad to say this, but my, you know, my, my dad was making this point the other day is that, you know, it's almost as if my family is like cursed with this like grief. My grandparents had very, um, difficult childhoods in Iran. Um, and now, and then when my mom died, it was kind of this final, like, you know, this final happiness, like leaving the world for them. And, uh, so really what they have are the places that make them feel comfortable and Iran is that place and, um, they can't get to it. And that's, that's so hard to watch people you love, not be able to get to where they need to be. Um, and, uh, feel like they can't, live both with their grandson in the United States and see him and be in, in Iran. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's difficult. And also to be mis mislabeled as, uh, you know, just to be generalized about, and we're seeing that a lot in the United States, especially now and all the time, but this, this generalization that, that some people just because, you know, because they come from a certain culture are a certain way, um, you know, labeling Iran as a terrorist state, for example, um, it, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just so hard to see that happen when really, you know, the way I, the way I label Iran is this beautiful culture of art and history and, um, and a history and art culture that, you know, the United States has just barely, you know, started to really, um, to really make their prominence in, um, which is which is interesting as well. Well, you seem to echo sort of the the pride that you talked about with your grandmother. You said your grandmother is, right. is you know, at every turn she's sort of trying to, um, you know, she takes pride in her identity. She takes pride in Iran. Um, what I thought was interesting in your description was that it almost seemed like she was defending Iran. Yeah. And I wonder if that's again because we're at this, you know, like what in my mind immediately I thought what what does she have to defend it from you know like why are why are yeah. we tasked with the idea that we have to defend because you know i think it's it's sometimes it's mistaken in the way that uh, it's talked about in the political realm 
that when you defend mm-hmm. it as, as if you're defending, you know, uh, a government or a state or, you know, things that happen in the country. Whereas like, that's not, mm-hmm. that's not the mentality behind it at all. The defense is really of yourself. It's almost like yep. you're defending yourself. Yeah. And your, and your people, the people you love, um, you know, it, it is a really strong thing. And, uh, you know, I always, as again, when I was little, it was something that I resented about Bibi is that I felt like she was pushing against my growing up, um, you know, my, my growing up in the United States specifically. Um, and, and in that, it kind of felt like it was a pushing against me um, as, a, as, a, as a human being who wasn't really longing. Like, I don't know, there's been, it's been difficult. Um, you know, my grief, having, having a whole family who is in grief and in grief in different ways um, is always difficult because, um, you know, my grandparents obviously have these memories of my mother, you know, treated her as if she was this, you know, perfect, you know, entity, this, this saint um, who brought happiness into their lives finally. Um, you know, and then there's me who can't remember anything really about her, um, kind of making her in my head as this imagined kind of figure of, um, and she takes on this like poetic person in my mind to this person basically made of poetry, made of her own poetry. Um, and that's the only way I can understand her. Um, and then there's, you know, my dad and my other grandparents, and I, you know, it's just, it's difficult. But part of that, part of the difficulty there was that my, my grandparents and I always had this tension. It was like, why are you not, you know, grieving the way I am now, on both sides? And why, and then there is also this tension between, you know, why aren't you longing for Iran the same way your mother did? Um, you know, and, and this is this is one of the things that was always difficult because I was so young that I didn't really, I felt like I had all this time um, to, you know, when I got older to explore Iran, when I got older to really in, explore this connection with my mother. And their sense of time was much different from mine. Um, you know, being older, they wanted me to do it, you know, right then at six years old, do, you know, really, really um, embrace it. And Partly, I'm really, really grateful for that because it did give me this bridge to my mother. Like, I got all these memories and all these amazing things. I, you know, this bridge to Iran. I got all these, all this food, wonderful food from my from my grandmother, and <laughs> and this kind of cultural, um, you know, dissonance. It's like this this understanding about how we love each other, which is so different in Iran. I am. It's it's definitely a cultural difference. <laughs> um, in, you know, how we take care of each other, um, in in families. So partly I'm so grateful for that. And partly as a young kid trying to figure it out, um, it, it made things, um, more difficult in my processing. Uh, Yeah. You talk about the, this idea of, um, in the essay, you talk about your great grandmother and you say that, you know, she only knew a few words in English and they were all about love. Um, and there was basically, it was a way of her communicating to you, you know, and I'm that, I mean, that was one of the parts that sort of got me because, Mm -hmm. you know, it made me think of my own, uh, grandparents and this idea that, you know, they, it is a culture, it is a culture of, um, great passion, uh, whether it's, and it's in either direction, right? Iranians tend to show happiness and sadness in very sort of dramatized form and so they love so wholeheartedly as well that Mm. um when you were describing it it's like you know there are there are people that you may never have even met in person 
but they're just bursting with like love just to hear your voice, just to talk to you. And I thought that was a sort of a simple, but incredible way of conveying that sense that exists within the culture. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing when, you know, it transcends that, that love transcends language, um, which is, uh, you know, for my entire life, language um, has been my escape. It's been, you know, the place where I go, I look, I'm obsessed with fantasy books and, you know, obviously as a little kid, Narnia, Harry Potter, um, Wrinkle in Time, all that stuff. Um, and you know, it's amazing thing when, you know, and it was a coming of age kind of moment for me where I realized, wow, this woman, you know, who doesn't, hasn't, you know, knows me only through pictures. Um, and, uh, you know, and from the few conversations that we have on the phone and brief conversations, you know, is this, this love that transcends that she has, which transcends the thing that is the most important to me, <laughs> you know? Um, and it was this coming of age. Like I, you know, I, I, I feel, I felt that love in a way that I, I don't think I would have. And my grandma, my great grandma was super loving. Uh, she, my, you know, in the last moments before she died, my grandma, Vivi told me that she gave her a picture of me and she, uh, and Vivi says that it was difficult because um, in those last few moments, she wasn't really um, comprehending much. Um, and uh, she just kissed my picture. Um, and, you know, there's no, Vivi says that she thinks that she remembered and understood in that moment who I was to her. Uh, and I'm not so sure, but I think, I think that even if she hadn't, I, I think that that love, you know, she would have been doing it for my grandmother or for me or for whoever needed to see her, you know, kiss that picture. I, I don't know. It's just, it, it really is a different kind of, uh, a different kind of love there. Um, that's an incredible story. And I'm going to tell you, you're moving me to tears now too. I feel like that's your goal for today is <laughs> no, to- no, I, you know, this is funny because my, my, um, experience as a writer is actually, I, you know, I, uh, this is kind of a longer story, but I'll, you know, I'll talk about it briefly. Is my my uh, favorite poet, uh, American poet, is Ross Gay, and he writes a lot about joy and delight, and um, and that's that might be weird, you know, considering that my work um, or a lot of it that's um, out there is very very sad, um, but I do think that there is this like, you know, that 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 love is, um, you know, especially in Iranian culture is is um both dramatic and sad and all that but it's also such a a joyful thing that we can love beyond you know beyond geographical regions and and divides and you know love in a way that transcends language all that is is really delightful um in a way that i think that roske would um would understand um even though he isn't iranian you know (laughs) um but i i am i am interested in that I, i my my journey as a writer has changed a lot, actually, since I wrote this essay. Um, I wrote it, actually, as a series of uh, prose poems at first that were... Um, I'm mostly a poet. I don't write a whole lot of prose, actually. Um, and it was a series of prose poems about my Iranian heritage and about kind of trying to, um, trying to focus in on that. And my... Um, and I got that email from Leela and Catherine saying they were doing this anthology... Uh, Persis had told them to contact me because um, she knew my mother and she had published 
an essay of my mother's and in, in one of her collections. Um, and, uh, and I just kind of took all those prose poems and, and put them together, uh, which is cheating, uh, totally. But I, uh, you know, I worked on it for the last few years and, um, it's amazing to me that some of these sentiments that I wrote when I was, I must, I was 15. So four, you know, four years ago are still really, really true. Um, uh, although I might've written them in a, in a different way now. Um, they are really, you know, this, these feelings are, are, uh, have stuck with me. Um, but hopefully, hopefully some of it, uh, you know, the fact I, I like to think that some, some really sad stories have, have some, um, happier implications considering the, the overall scope of it, right. Is that I'm, I'm, um, I'm getting to do kind of, um, what I want to do in terms of my heritage. I'm, I'm learning Farsi now at Harvard. Um, I am working with Iranian literature and writing poetry um, about my experience, uh, which I think is getting, you know, is getting to be read by the people hopefully who need it. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's a joyful thing in itself. You know, I'll tell you as an, your audience, right. As someone who was reading the stories, I, I, so impressed at how you could because you talked about it right now this idea of sort of you know the the culture is both sad and happy but within that like the beauty uh really mm -hmm. comes from that those two things being intertwined like right. sadness yeah. and love and all of those things together and well yeah you can't separate them right there's no, uh, there's no like yeah sadness and, and this is something that Rasuke talks about is like sorry i'm like a nerd about this but <laughs> the whole like delight factor delight you know grief can't exist without joy um and that you know what i was talking about earlier about this longing for iran that longing for iran can't exist without me understanding what that you know what that feeling is to actually get something you know to to put together a sentence in farsi finally after years of wanting to um you know do that on the phone with my great grandma or whatever Mm -hmm. um, anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. Uh, I, I was just going to say that you somehow like conveyed that because I think that core quality is part mm -hmm. of the Iranian art world, whether it's uh, film, music, um, oh, poetry, right? The poetry, the one of what makes it so powerful is the fact that it's both deeply sad and mm -hmm. incredibly happy at the same time and, and somehow <laughs> is able to balance those things. So, you know, when I was reading it, when I was reading your essay, like I said, I got, you know, it made me really, really emotional. It mm. sort of invoked these nostalgias and and these yeah. things that I, I had experienced that I could identify in your experiences, but it made me happy at the same time. It was like I was smiling, mm. but then with like a tear. <laughs> oh, that's, down that's, my nice. face. that's so good to like, hear. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's I wanted to give you that because I wanted to tell you that it's, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to what your writing becomes. If it's if this is, you know, what you're if this is what you're writing when you're 15. I'm just very, very curious to see where it's headed because it really encapsulates Thank you. the c kind of core qualities of, of Iranian arts. Um, from that means opinion. a lot to me, actually. Yeah, you're going to make me cry. But uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I, my, my mom was, uh, you know, and probably still is my favorite uh, poet and writer. Um, and my dad's also a poet and my stepmom as well, and they're both incredible. Um, but she, you know, my mom, in terms of writing about Iran, uh, she was able to um, write in this way that I thought was just so gorgeous um, and mythical almost. Um, and it felt 
as though she embodied in a way. And I think I feel this with a lot of Iranian writers and a lot of the Iranian writers who I'm um, in those pages with in that anthology is this, um, this continuation of, of what you're talking about, of that, of that um, community that, has, that is like thousands of years old and, um, and eternal in a way uh, within the modern Iranian poet. Um, so, you know, and I'm, I'm also really interested in infusing that based on my own experience with, with people like, you know, Roske or, you know, Galway Cannell or, um, James Wright, you know, poets are Sharon Olds, you know, poets that I, that I really love from the United States who, um, who are talking about family and, and there really is so much, uh, interplay you know, the way, the ways poets, uh, you know, tend to write about and our creative writers in general tends to write about family and the way we, you know, are, uh, the empathy there, um, is, is so, um, I don't know. It just, it's, it's always a thing, <laughs> you know, it's like an eternal yeah. kind of historical, uh, sensibility, I guess, um, that you, that, you know, you spiritually kind of are involved with when you're writing, um, when you're doing creative writing, I think, um, you know, I, I can go back, I go back as far as, you know, Rumi or Hafez and, uh, and then kind of read Farouk or, you know, in the same, in a similar vein, go really far back and, um, you know, to Walt Whitman and then, and then go into, you know, more contemporary poets in the United States. And it just feels like we're still writing, you know, these eternal subjects, we're still writing about these about these things that are pertinent and important and, and that uh, are really spiritually connected to each other. Um, yeah. I think you make a really good point in that, you know, there's, t- there's two themes in your writing. One of the things in the essays is also, and you mentioned it earlier is the food, right? Yeah. <laughs> so oh my in my God. mind, I'm the like, food. you know, food and art <laughs> is kind of the thing that everybody just shares, you know, where, right, where we right. have all of these divides and we think of, you know, Iran as being this sort of alien place and it's caricatured as uh, in so many negative ways so often. But then when people are exposed to Iranian art, Iranian films, Iranian poetry, and of course it's food, you know, there's all of a sudden, uh, you know, there it's a much more humanized uh, country. And so I love that, Mm. you know, you're, as you're weaving the story, you're bringing in not just Iranian poets, but, you know, European poets and, and, and yep. pointing out the fact that that's really, you know, arts is uh, a connection that we, we all share. One of the things yep. I wanted to ask you, because uh, right now, actually, when you're talking about it, you're talking about your mom and saying sure. how she sort of idealized Iran when she wrote about it. Yeah. Which I think is interesting because you also talk about how, you know, I think your dad, you said, calls your mom St. Susie. So it's yes. like your mom is also idealized in a way. And, well, yeah. um, you know, it's, this is obviously a very personal question, but it's like, because no. your mom is a memory, that memory becomes idealized. And right. in, in a certain sense, you know, do you see, I just saw a connection that I thought was very interesting is that in both cases, it's almost like we're just memorializing Iran when, when yeah. it's talked about. Yeah. And that's such a, you know, it's such a good question too. Uh, you know, I think that in a lot of cases that memorializing Iran, that is, is a necessary thing. Um, consider i think i think that a lot of this stuff you know talking about humanizing iran really to the united states and to the united states reader um is it has to come in some kind of form of uh idealization like you know because there's so much pushback 
um, against Iranians and against Middle Easterns in general. Um, that I feel like a lot of the time, you know, we, we find comfort in talking, actually, no, like, you know, saying, actually, no, this, this is a beautiful culture. This is, we are people just like anybody else. And, um, you know, as terms, as far as the, the, you know, my mom is concerned, I, I did feel again, resentful of that. And I, I think it was similar with Iran, um, as, as a little kid is that I just, you know, there's this joke in my family that my, my grandma will, um, you know, eat anything Iranian or, or anything, anything, take, take anything Iranian before she takes anything else. It's like, it's, you know, if it's Iranian, it's better. And that is just how it is. Um, and, uh, it is somewhat true, but also, um, the, you know, it's one of those things that I secretly resented as a child is I, I was like, I, you know, I just want this, I want a real idea of what this place is. Um, and same thing with my mom. I, I wanted a real, connection to her um which obviously you know in both cases is kind of uh difficult um you know with my mom i just remember you know hating it when people would come up to me and tell me their favorite story about her <laughs> i like i remember thinking in my head tell me something not good you know <laughs> tell me something that's that is uh that will make me see her as a human being that i don't have to completely emulate and you know it made me feel a pressure to be perfect in that way um, yeah no i can imagine that that would that yeah. puts a lot of pressure on you actually to sort of uh live up to i mean you know when someone is idealized like that like how do you live up to those expectations right and she was and she was like and you know not that she was perfect but <laughs> she was uh she, you know she she was really really good at everything that she did she was a, a painter a poet a musician um, you know, her poetry won the National Poetry Series in 2001 um, at a time when it really was important for an Iranian to win that award. Um, and th she did do a lot of incredible things. That, but the funny thing about this is that I found more solace, or not solace, I found more comfort in in maybe, you know, her diaries from when she was 16 years old, um, you know, just like cursing all over the place and like, you know, writing about her, um, her like, you know, um, failed relationships or whatever prom night and, you know, stuff like that. It's just like, I found so much more comfort in that, um, a lot of the time than I did in these stories that people would come up and tell me about how, uh, you know, she helped them through, through a really tough time or, uh, she was the greatest teacher ever, or, you know, she gave this reading that really, you know, um, influenced the way they wrote. <laughs> it's like, you know, um, and I understand that all of that, all of that stuff is coming from a really great place. And, and, um, you know, parallel with Bibi wanting my, my Bibi is my grandma, um, with Bibi wanting to, um, you know, both uh, like humanize and immortalize like this wonder of my mom and of Iran to me, you know, everybody is trying to do something good, uh, and comes from a good place, but, uh, you know, it is, it is hard as a little kid to understand, you know, where where this um godlike how this godlike creature you know was your mother um or was was you know was this place that you can't go to um but there are a lot of parallels to those things that's also i think the iranian artist in you though right the fact that you want the you want the raw you don't want just right. yeah. the sort of yeah. flowery you know i mm. you want the whole package um and that's mm. why and i think that's what comes across uh in your own writing you know, and that's, that's what makes it appealing. What makes it appealing is that it's not, you know, um, 
in a one of the things that was interesting about the entire anthology is it's supposed to be sort of the you know Iranian culture is uh, very much a culture of silences and mm. it's incredible to see these stories that are shared that are so personal that yeah. you don't often sort of see in our culture and our diaspora being shared and you know you're just putting these emotions out there um and i thought you know that was also incredible to see such an honest sort of rendition of how you, you feel about something someone who is searching actually not to idealize their mother who has passed but to, to do the opposite to learn like right. the very authentic nature of them you know the good and the bad all together yeah and that's the only way that you can really get a, a true um you know understanding i think is it, and it's not going to be true. You know, it, when somebody, when somebody dies, it's just one of those things you have to come to is that you're going to, for the rest of your life, uh, for the rest of your life, kind of, uh, wonder and learn things about them, wonderful things and horrible things, you know? Um, and it's just, uh, you know, you're, you're just trying to do your best. Um, and I understand that that's, that's where people are coming from to, uh, talking to me. I, I think, you know, it's yeah it's really complicated um with my family history i think just a lot of people um you know wanting to do what's right and uh sometimes sometimes it is that that raw or that that kind of silence that you that you really uh long for you know um well darius i look forward to reading more of your work as you know you grow as a, a writer and a poet um and i you know, thank you so much for, for sharing this essay and for sharing your time with us. But my curiosity was, you know, where, where are you, like, wh how do you see your future? Cause you're so young. I can't get over this fact uh -huh. that you're so young yet so articulate. Um, you know, you're just sort of starting out, uh, in undergrad and you're pursuing obviously your writing and poetry, but you know, where do you see yourself or I should say, where do you hope like things will go in any, in any case, whether it's Iran and the U S whether it's something for you personally. Yeah. Uh, you know, right now I'm trying, <laughs> my dad keeps saying, um, I'm, I'm a super future kind of thinker. And, uh, my dad is like my best friend. And so I'm happy that I'm here with, you know, with him and, um, you know, but he, he keeps telling me, you know, you have to live one day at a time. Um, so one of the things, uh, one of the things partly is that I'm trying to, to stay in the moment a little more. Um, but as far as, as far as my future is concerned, I, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure, uh, where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do. I know, I know that poetry is going to be a part of that. Um, and that's really, really important to me, um, in terms of connecting with my mother and, and also, um, you know, connecting with Iran. I think that poetry, you know, I'm, uh, I'm right now I'm passing the time by writing this, uh, fantasy novel and quasi poetic thing. Um, and it's just, it's comforting, you know, and it's also, um, I'm learning a lot about my heritage and about my family history and all that. Um, I know, I know that I want to, uh, more tangible things, um, uh, <laughs> I'm interested, definitely interested in, in teaching. Um, and, uh, my, both my parents are teachers. My mom was a teacher. Um, so yeah, I think I think uh, continue with my with my writing and hopefully hopefully get over there to Iran at some point in my life, um, uh, you know. And uh, you know, there's a lot of time for that. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll all be able to go somewhere soon. But uh, right, obviously, right. everyone is staying at home now. It's I'm very happy to know that the future of Iranian poetry is 
seemingly in good hands. There's still oh. people who are interested in this. I think sometimes yeah. with my my parents get so panicked. They're just like, young people of this generation, they don't care about the arts. They don't care about poetry. Like it's because it's such an important part of the cultural like fabric of Iran, right. uh, the poetry especially. So it's it's incredible. I, I can tell them now, I'm like, hey, I met a young Iranian yeah. poet. So well, I've, I've it's not going them. anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I've met a, I've met a few, uh, uh, even at Harvard and Interlock, and uh, it just seems like, seems like as hard as, um, as hard as anybody tries to get away from that, it's just ingrained in who we are. So you can't fight it.